Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Premier League Review Show. It's a show that's delighted to learn of City's plans to further develop and expand the Etihad. There's no joke attached to this, it's genuinely exciting. On today's pod we're revisiting a comfortable massacre on the south coast and we're going around the grounds, as always, assessing which clubs aced the weekend and who pooed the bed. And joining me to check the sheets is my top flight cohort, Tom Young. Hi Tom, you well? I'm good, I wasn't expecting that, but uh, <laughs> but no, it, it works, it works. So yeah, no, I'm good. And uh, yeah, thankfully we got City, one of the ones who uh, performed this weekend, which is always nice. Like I say, I always like coming to these shows on the back of a City win, so it's uh, always a fantastic place to start. Well, yeah, and I described it at the start there as a comfortable massacre, and it certainly was, um, particularly in the first half at least. Um, let's let's start with the opposition though. How poor were Bournemouth? Is it is it one of those where we made them poor, or were they just poor? I think it was a bit of both. I think we were helped by the fact we scored early, which is quite ironic given the amount of times we've started well and gone ahead and drawn one one this season. And there's been a lot made of our inability to kill off games, but I think we were. Up there with as good as we've seen since the World Cup. Maybe not our best performance. I do still think there was. It wasn't perfect, but it was certainly more like it. Um, I was surprised by how poor Bournemouth were, though. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think I don't think many people had Bournemouth down winning the game going into it. And again, Bournemouth were were made kind of the the whipping boys this season. They were going to be the team that were relegated by Christmas, and they've they've exceeded that. So, mm. the, but you look at how they played against Newcastle a couple of weeks ago and made it really difficult for them. And it can be it can be a difficult place to go because it's so different to any other ground in the Premier League because it is so small. The pitch is so small. Um, but yeah, City City played well. City made it difficult for Bournemouth, but I thought they were they were poor on, on top of that. And when you throw the two together, there was only going to be one winner. Yeah, I'm looking at stats now. 13 shots Bournemouth had, and that really surprised me. I would have guessed it was around the 6-7 mark. Two shots on target. Yeah, I remember them. Um, so stats aren't bad to be fair to them, but um, you know, to the eye, I just thought they were so unambitious. Um, and even when they went behind, they just they offered so little. Uh, apart from in the last kind of fifteen twenty minutes, what did you make of the lineup then? Because there's a lot of discussion beforehand about how we've got the Champions League followed by the Premier League followed by the FA Cup followed by the Premier League, and and how Pep was going to kind of you know juggle all of this. Um, Alvarez starting that was the, the biggest one to jump out at me um, Lewis back in, in the frame as well um, and Foden of course starting as well so how did you kind of uh, sorry I'm, I was totally thrown here because I've just to remind myself I've brought up the BBC site and this is their kind of uh, line up right Edison at the back Ake Ruben Diaz and Akanji then Alvarez and Gundogan as ultimate yeah. fielders. Then, as an attacking number 10, Rodri. Uh, right winger, Lewis, to be fair. That's not too bad with Rigo. Yeah. Uh, Grealish, Foden, Haaland. I totally threw I was like, where the hell is Alvarez? Um, so, yeah, Alvarez and Foden to start. Um, what did you make of that? Yeah, I uh, I must admit I was surprised seeing both start. I thought we may see one of the two come in. Uh, I was surprised to see both of them start, but... I mean, we can't question the output from the pair of them. They look like a, a pair of forwards with a point to prove mm. with um, 
Foden maybe more so than Alvarez in terms of Foden needed that performance more than any other player in the City squad with all the rumblings of Pep's not happy with him. Apparently, he could have gone in January. His attitude's not there, this, that and the other. He needed a performance like that. And a lot of people will turn around and say it's only Bournemouth or yada, yada, yada. But he was he was looking as good as we've seen him in this season, Phil Foden. And again, Julian Alvarez, he never disappoints when he performs. I don't think I've watched a game where Alvarez has started with maybe the exception of Leicester away earlier in the season mm. where he didn't really do much. But he always just seems to be involved. He seems to to just have this knack of getting in the right spaces. And, and again, that his goal was scruffy at best. And you, you look at, I mean, I'm trying to think. I can't even remember who scored the other goal. Foden scored, Haaland scored. There was the Alvarez one, which was an own goal. Did Alvarez score the other one? Yeah, he did. He scored the tapping, didn't he, for the first? So, yeah, he's just in the right places at the right time. And and th- that's what you want from him. And if so long as he can continue doing that, Pep's going to find it hard to, to drop him. And we've got a bit of a dilemma now moving forward into sort of Leipzig and sort of the big Premier League games we've got coming up in that, You've got this Mares and Grealish partnership, which works so well, but mm. isn't quite as direct. They cut in a little bit. It's more that them two collecting the ball out wide and, and kind of getting inside of the man. And then on the on the flip side, you've got Foden and Alvarez who like to get their heads down, beat a man and kind of get get to the byline. So it's it's a happy sort of dilemma to have, but we, we've now got two partnerships which both work really well in their own ways. Will we see a combination of the two? A couple like a Grealish and a Foden here, or a Haaland and a sorry, a Marathon and Alvarez there. I'm not sure, but yeah, we've got four forwards or four wide forwards who all seem to be to be up for it at the moment. All seem to be banging form, so it makes it makes Pep's job difficult. But it's uh, like I say, it's happy dilemma to have. Yeah, and and I think it's quite notable that in recent weeks, Marez has been getting closer to Haaland, um, and Alvarez, of course, by by the nature of his position him closer to Haaland so clearly now the idea is to get one player just playing off Haaland and um, you know not so much it doesn't have to be 4 4 of course it can be where he's just always in his vicinity uh, and that really kind of worked on Saturday as it has previously with Mares. Um Alvarez it's all about his work rate isn't it I mean he puts in such a shift that even if nothing really comes off for him he's going to have a productive afternoon um and as for Foden, it was just so nice to see him have a good performance. He was busy. What I was really, really impressed with is in the first 10 minutes, he had two wayward passes. I think one was a wayward pass and one was just, uh, he lost possession, essentially. Um, and yet he didn't let his head down and he just kind of kept at it. And yeah, a goal, assist, and I know this expression annoys a lot of people, but two pre-assists as well. Um, yeah. That's not a bad afternoon's work for Phil. Um what did you make of a little we saw of Perone when he came on for his debut? Uh, I just thought, I've got to be honest, a lot of people were praising him. He didn't jump out at me. He did nothing wrong, of course, but I just thought he was neat and tidy, which is good enough for me. Yeah, and I'd agree with you. I thought, I was impressed, um, not maybe to the extent that I've seen some people saying that he's, he, I've seen him compared to David Silver in the way he moves <laughs> and things like this, and I thought that's a bit of a stretch, but... I mean, he's he's a he looks a handy little player. He wasn't probably helped by the fact he came on alongside Phillips and Sergio Gomez in the midfield rather than a Rodri and a Gundogan, yes, where maybe definitely. he'd be afforded a bit more time to pick up the ball and and know that he's got that extra layer of security behind him. But 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was a it was a tidy debut. It's a, he did nothing wrong. I don't think he did an awful lot. Like I say, well, he certainly for me he didn't do an awful lot that made me got me on the edge of my seat, thinking this guy's going to be a serious talent. And I, like I say, I hope I think he's got everything ability wise to to take his game to the next level under Pep. And it's good to see him getting these minutes in the Premier League, having only been at the club for a matter of months. So, yeah, I was I was. Quietly impressed with him, but again, nothing that's gonna. He wasn't pulling up any trees for me. Nothing that's that's made me really shout from the rooftops about him just yet. No, I'll always take neat and tidy for a debut and just grow yourself into the club and get used to your teammates. And as you say, not helped by the fact that he came on alongside Gomez and Calvin Phillips. Sergio Gomez in midfield, man. Um, that was a bit of a surprise. Um, almost disrespectful to Bournemouth in that regard. Yeah. What about the cameo of Calvin Phillips because he. After the game, there was a lot of people talking about how disappointing he was, how apathetic he looked. You'd think he'd really be putting in a shift, but he was doing anything but. Um, I don't know. I, I feel we can't really, you know, 30-minute kind of cameo, you, you can't put too much emphasis on that. But I do get what people are saying. What was your take on it? It's such a tough one with Gary Phillips because he certainly didn't look great. And you think coming on it, it's hard, I suppose, to to be up for it when when the game's won and yes, there's only yeah. so there's only so much you can expect of him coming on at that stage of the game. And I really, really want him to do well. I really want him to be a success at City. He seems like a really likable guy. Obviously, we've seen what he's capable of with Leeds and with England, and we know he is a fantastic footballer. However, every I've just still not seen it from him at City. And I think he played about 50, 60 minutes total in the Premier League for City this year. And I just think with the with the quality around him, with the names we linked with in the summer, it's you look at the likes of Grealish, and obviously he wasn't what he was this season, last season, but you still saw in spells bits from him that suggested, right, this this guy's got it, it's just gonna take him a bit of time to adapt and to to get used to the way City play. And I, I don't want to sound I don't want to sound like a party pooper, but I just don't see that with Phillips when he plays. I don't watch Phillips and see him as someone who Pep is gonna allow the time that he's allowed. Grealish or Mares even in his first season wasn't fantastic and I don't know. He, he's uh, he's obviously a very talented footballer, but whether or not he's going to be a long-term City player, I'm not so sure. At this juncture, it really doesn't look likely to me. Um, but things can change. I mean, they can change quite dramatically as well. And um, if he stays next season, then he could have a very different season and he could have a very different future and he could be thought of very differently in the future as well um, when looking back on his career. But at this juncture... It really doesn't look good for Calvin Phillips. Um, and knowing this and not flying around the pitch kind of uh, at the weekend, it, it just wasn't a good look. But, I mean, we don't know, do we? He could have had a slight niggle. It could have been anything. But, um, yeah, it, it just let's just put it that way. For, for me, it wasn't a good look. Um, and I don't think Pep would be overly impressed either. Um, okay, turn our attentions to... Spurs v Chelsea, uh, I didn't see a single second of this game, um, just kind of followed it on social media. Another defeat for Chelsea, I've, I've got a theory and I've wrote about it this week that basically Chelsea are keeping him in the job because we're in the middle of a two-legged Champions League tie. Um, should they go out to Dortmund or indeed if they progress and go out in the next round, as soon as they're out of that competition, I think Potter is a goner, regardless of 
if if results pick up in the meantime. Um, what's your take on pot situation? <laughs> it's it's another tricky one because I mean I've said on here so many times that I really want Potter to do well and I really want to see an English manager properly take the Premier League by the scruff of the neck. I mean, obviously, we've never had an English Premier League winning manager and, and obviously, I don't want Chelsea to win the Premier League, but I, he seems like a guy who's doing everything the right way and he's you can clearly see what he's trying to implement at Chelsea, but it's just not working and I don't know what it is. I don't know why it isn't working at Chelsea and it, why it works so well at Brighton. I really couldn't tell you because I watched... But I think I watched the first half an hour and then the last half an hour of the of the Chelsea Spurs game. And from what I saw, the kind of 60 minutes of football I watched, Chelsea were the better side and they had more of the ball. But just in that final third, the players looked lost. And mm. I'd like to, whether or not it's a case of these, these European worldwide talents not having enough respect for Potter because he's not won anything because he's not this big name manager that that maybe they're used to working with I don't know but they just they just aren't taking to his ideas and it you can you can't see it ending any other way other than with him sacked and I know he came out and he compared sort of the situation at Arsenal and said look what happened with Arteta they wanted him gone and now now they're where they are but in reality, that was a very, very different situation. He took over a struggling Arsenal team, didn't spend much money, kind of didn't get off to a great start, but then turned it around by spending a bit of money. This this is a different situation at Chelsea. He's come into a, to a very decent squad, then spent a shed load on top of that, and he's still not getting results. And you can only expect so much when you when you've not got the budget but when you've got the budget you've got to be doing better than Chelsea doing at the moment and like I said on I think maybe on the last one we did the fact they spent 650 million quid and came out with a worse striker than they had before they started spending money is criminal and the fact that they've not addressed that it does that lie down to Potter is that to recruitment is that to whoever I don't know who's at fault but you look at them against Spurs again and you look at one end of the pitch, you've got Harry Kane, who just knows where the back of the net is, doesn't have a great game, but scores that second and kills the game off. And at the other end, you've got Kai Havertz playing through the middle, and he's not a striker. You've got Jao Felix, who is a fantastic footballer, but again, not a striker, and they're just not scoring goals. And if you don't score goals, you're not going to win games. So, yeah, I want Potter to be a success. I want him to do well. I want, I'd like to see Chelsea stick with him. Uh, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I think, unfortunately, these days are numbered. And, like, may, maybe on... A similar similar mindset to you. If if certainly if they get knocked out by Dortmund, I think he's gone. But even if they get past Dortmund, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go and then give a new manager a bit of time to get the squad ready for a for a quarter final. Yes. Or a, yeah. yeah. So I just I can't see a scenario which ends with Graham Potter still at Stamford Bridge at the end of the season. Unfortunately. Thanks for listening to the first fifteen minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.